It's Thursday, the 25th of May, 2023, and welcome to the Water Action Platform. This week, we are galloping around the world with a tech showcase from North America, Italy for an innovation lab update, the Netherlands to hear about a new project from the Dutch government to improve engagement of young people in the water sector, and even our and finally story, which is on pea recycling, or perhaps a better title would be how to get the most from your urine, has a very international feel to it. Now, none of this would be possible without our sponsors listed here. Their support is the only reason that we're here today, and we are truly grateful. But let's start by going to the Ukraine. Now, over the past year, we've had multiple updates from Operators Without Borders, the Canadian-based charity which provides certified water professionals as volunteers to help support utilities in stress. Now, following the invasion last year, Operators Without Borders have been working to support the water sector in the Ukraine. They were the focus for the Water Action Platform Christmas Appeal last year. Isle offered to match any donations up to £10,000 sterling. And I am delighted to report that the final amount of don that was donated was significantly above this figure. Now, this means that Operators Without Borders has been able to undertake much more than they had originally expected. Now, in a minute, you're going to hear from Valerie Jenkinson, the Chief Exec of uh, Operators Without Borders, alongside Greg Solecki, one of Canada's leading experts in disaster and crisis management. But as they share what they're doing, or what they've done, via the safety of a Zoom call, it's easy to forget just how intense the circumstances are in the Ukraine. Now, for example, this photo shows vital equipment and how that needs to be hidden in specially built trenches. Or these images of bullet holes in pipes and critical buildings having been completely destroyed. Now, I used to be the asset director for Thames Water, the utility that serves London and the surrounding regions. And I have no idea how we would have coped with just a tiny fraction of the disruption that the Ukrainian utilities are experiencing right now. So with that in mind, let's now hear from Valerie and Greg. Thank you very much, Piers, and a huge thank you to both you and to our utilities for the matching grant that you have given us. And that has enabled us to do work that we would not normally be able to do. And we're going to tell you a little bit about where that's going to in Ukraine and what we're doing. So first of all, for those of you who have heard some of these podcasts before, you'll know that Operators Without Borders is probably the only charity in the world that works strictly with water and wastewater utilities and with operators in developing countries. And two mandates, first is post-disaster recovery, where we go in and help rebuild utilities. And the second is technical training. Now in Ukraine right now, um, when we talk to our, our colleagues in the WASH group, Water and Sanitation and Hygiene, and also the technical water quality group that we are very much a part of, they tell us that they don't really need the manpower right now, but they do need technical training because they don't have as much as perhaps we have the expertise in. So they have requested that. So this is a lot of where this money is going to, is providing technical training. We're going to be doing water and wastewater courses that they're choosing. And also one of our uh, volunteers, Ian, has put together a paper on decentralized systems for water and wastewater that they are going to be moving forward with. He's put a paper together that you know talks all about the pros and the cons of decentralized systems and what to look for when you're thinking of putting them in. What I want to really focus on today is what we're doing 
in the likelihood or the the eventuality, I should say, perhaps more than likelihood of chemical and nuclear contamination. And I'm going to pass over to Greg Selecki, who is our disaster and crisis management expert in Operators Without Borders. And I'm going to ask Greg, who wrote a lot of the Canadian standards. He's worked with the UN Disaster Education and has lectured at many universities on crisis management. So he's leading this charge. And Greg, I'm going to pass it over to you to talk to uh, everybody about what we are doing in Ukraine. Thank you. Thanks, Val. We'll be completing a two-day course on CBRN awareness, which would be day one of the course, and CBRN in the water sector. CBRN, of course, being chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear, the potential for contamination of the water systems and the water facilities. Day one will consist of the health risks and presence of CBRN, CBRN preparedness, so what people could be prepared for as far as what to actually identify, what some of the health risks are and what the presence may be looking like. And then protective actions, not just for the people that would be working in the Voto Canals in the water sector itself, but also protective actions to be aware of the different communities and the people in those communities and what may be identified as the CBRN risks for them. We'll also speak to the command structure, which I'll speak to a little bit later, and govern governance issues throughout these types of areas. So from the water sector to the health sector, to government as well as emergency responders, how that all comes together. The second day, so CBRN in the water sector is more specific to water facilities, uh, distribution, that sort of thing, looking at monitoring, surveillance, testing, the potential to have CBRN in the system, then what would we do if we needed to shut down, isolate, or restart a facility? The contamination and potential water usage, what could be in place if there was contamination? Crisis communications, looking at how we actually would communicate back to that governance and command structure, and the policy and processes that are in place or may need to be in place. So we look at the best practices around the world, working with UN, the Center for Disease Control, United States, Canada, other countries that have policies and processes in place that could be worked on as well. Because what we'll do in the afternoon is have moderated sessions that look at policy process, governance, and also command structure. And what I mean by command structure is the utilization of an incident management system, specifically the incident command system, which is primarily the main system that is used throughout North America, Australia, and a great many parts of Europe as well. What it provides is a way for us to respond to crisis and consider the logistics, planning, response operations, communications that would have to be in place to have an effective response, which also leads back into our governance policy and process. 
Okay, thanks, Greg. And we're looking at doing this, I believe, at the end of May, the beginning of June. So right now we are uh, working on all the content and where a big cost is, is in the translation. So these are things that uh, are being enabled by the monies that we have received from our donations and from our utilities. So Piers, I hope that gives you a good idea of some of the things that we're doing. We are setting some money aside for when the war's over that we will also be able to send people there but we can do a lot remotely in the meantime. So thank you so much and back to you. Thank you, Greg and Valerie for the update. Keep up the good work and thank you to everyone who contributed to the Christmas 2022 appeal. Our next story is from Italy and it's an update from the Water Innovation Living Lab or WILL as it has become more commonly known. WILL is an accelerator program for early stage companies, i.e. for those companies that are pre-revenue and seeking seed stage funding. Importantly, WILL is for any company anywhere in the world. It just happened to be that the first WILL program was held in Italy. The aim of WILL is to help startups enter the water market, and it involves an intense 16-week program with speakers and coaches on everything from how to build a business model to how to make an investment pitch. The first Will cohort recently completed their program, and here's a quick taster of how it went, and in particular, what some of the startups thought of the process. We're here at the final event of the Will Accelerator that's been running for the last four months or so. Antonia, uh, can you explain to us what is Will? Of course. So, well, Will actually works as a written here, the Water Innovation Living Lab. So, it's an accelerator for the water sector. And well, this was the first edition of Will. It was an amazing journey of 16 weeks with the startups, but before also we had to select them. Uh, and also find people that could actually want to join the program. Um, and yeah, it was 16 weeks of seminars, so learning a lot about how, uh, how to build a startup and how to make it work, uh, how to make it succeed. Um, and also coaching sessions, so whatever question they had on the water sector, uh, or also marketing, uh, any question, legal advice, the startups would come to us ask us their questions and we would find a way to answer it. Um, and yeah, and then what we do is also try to connect them, the startups with the with events. So that helps them build their network um, the right way. What was your favorite bit? Um, yeah, so it was definitely trying, and trying to learn from the startups and uh, meeting everyone. They were such a great group of innovators and so, it's just mind blowing how how smart and talented and yeah how it just it, it's great and so different in character all of them and, but it was great they all have an immense passion behind what they do every day and uh, it's great to work with people that love what they yeah what their goal is in life. <laughs> 
Hi, Pavlina. It's been wonderful working with you through Will. Um, you're the founder of MetZero. Can you tell us who MetZero are? Yes, of course, Chris. Uh, so MetZero is a spin-out company out of Newcastle University. And MetZero offers the only the profitable and energy-saving wastewater treatment technology that helps water companies and utilities treat their wastewater and recover products of economic value from it. Super, sounds excellent. And uh, how, how has been your experience of Will? Um, the 16 weeks program at Will uh, was really great to support the uh, acceleration of uh, Med Zero into a spin out because I've learned a lot of valuable lessons from all the coaches who came on board to teach us about marketing strategies, how to form partnerships, and how to uh, manage these partnerships, about the identifying your value proposition and your business model canvas. So all these help me refine better the objective of MedZero and how to go about targeting these uh, potential clients and also our route to market. Oh, that's that's really good to hear. What would be your, your main takeaways from it all? Uh, my main takeaway is about uh, not trying to cater for everybody and finding the niche and finding that need that your product and service can uh, solve and, and go full on towards that uh, in order to gain a competitive advantage over your competitors and trying to please everybody. That's definitely my major takeaway. Oh, that's fantastic. Really, really good to hear your reflections on it. And um, we wish you the absolute best of luck. Thank you very much, Chris, and thanks for all the support and the wheel program as well. Hi, Fazan, and nice to have you here today. So thank you for participating into the wheel program. It was a pleasure to have you and your startup, Clartuo, a microplastic filter. Thank you very much for having me here today. Will have helped me out to, to realize that I need more power manpower in my company so the first thing i did was um looking for applicants and hiring people what i did during the program and actually we have three more positions um open so this is what will taught me because um there are so many topics in the water business that must be tackled on which is just not possible for one person so it was really important this was this one big thing our next steps um actually we're trying to go international so <laughs> we always stick to germany and because we know that we know the area we know the people here and uh, the will accelerator opened honestly the world to us um to tell us and teach us how to go international how to build new networks, cooperations with companies. And um, this is what we took from Will Accelerator. Uh, what are the takeaways? Well, for, well, for us, uh, we're looking for just opportunities to get in front of our final customer. So we've done everything prior to that, we've got a position. So out of this, we've got a, a proof of concept trial in Europe, which we're, we're sort of going ahead with. And we've also been putting in, in a couple of trade fairs within Europe. So they've come up for the next few months. And that's what we're looking for. Hello, Molitsan. How are you? It's uh, great to have you here today. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. We love Will. Um, 
I think it's a very dynamic um, and interesting program. We, my colleague and I used to actually say it, it's a, the mini MBA of startup accelerated programs. It gives you um, a lot of everything in a 16 week program. So that was quite exciting. Thank you. Uh, and what is the, what are the outcomes for you? What, uh, what, what are the befores and the afters of uh, the program? Yeah, I think perhaps let me just touch on the program a bit and then I'll do the befores and after. Um, yeah, so it, it gave us a very good picture of, um, you know, the Italian uh, water and wastewater landscape and the European one as well. So we sort of stepped out and we got to look at what's happening in the European sector. And what was quite nice was that um, this was from the viewpoint of um, people who are actually working, you know, both in the industry as well as academically with some of these water utilities. So you got a very nice uh, picture of what's happening in the broader scheme of things and what's happening directly in Italy. Um, and then, yeah, I think from there, it was just understanding and learning some of, you know, the other uh, startup tools that you would require, for example, value proposition, business development, um, you know, valuations and how you can sort of gear up, you know, your balance sheet to ensure that when you do go for evaluation in order to raise funding, um, you know, you are at an advantage. So a lot of good um, tools really in, in this bag that we, we were able to get out of the program. In terms of the before and after, I would say that, um, you know, before Will, we were really looking for partners, strategic partners to, you know, pilot our technology through. And, you know, after that, we have had conversations with about three water utilities who are looking to potentially partner with us. So, yeah, I think that's quite exciting. And if, if you include, you know, and juxtapose that in terms of what we've learned through Will and, you know, what we can now offer uh, these potential clients, I, I think it's, it's it's quite interesting and quite amazing, and we're actually quite excited to see, um, you know, what our contribution will now be. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that brilliant? It's great to hear the different things that each company takes from the program. And one thing that's become clear throughout the Accelerator is that the water industry needs this scheme and specifically we need the involvement of utilities to help build the pipeline of innovations. Now fortunately there will be another will, a, a will too as one might say. If you want to be involved or want to help tailor the program so that it aligns to your needs, please just follow the links that are shown here. We now come to our technology showcase, and it's the Varcor system from Cedron Technologies based in the USA. Now, what I particularly like about Cedron is their claim that they like to reinvent the norm. Now, as you'll see in a minute, when we hear from Stanley Janiki, the uh, chief revenue officer, they're basically a bunch of passionate engineers that fundamentally want to improve the world, which is no mean task. The Varcor system that they've developed is specifically for processing liquid waste streams such as biosolids, industrial sludges, septage and the like. Here is Stanley sharing some more. Hello everyone, I'm Stanley Janicki with Cedron Technologies, Chief Revenue Officer. And today I want to share with you our Varcor system and how it can transform wastewater treatment plants to the 21st century. But first, I want to go over some problems that wastewater treatment plants and the environment has from wastewater treatment plants. The first is nutrient loading of wastewater treatment plants. The second is the quality of biosolids that are produced out of wastewater treatment plants. The third is nutrient pollution from the nutrient loading of wastewater treatment plants and the land application of bad biosolids. 
And the last is the carbon footprint and the greenhouse gas emissions from wastewater treatment plants. I want to share with you how the VARCOR system, developed by Cedron Technologies, can help solve all four of these problems. Here is an example of a VARCOR system located in Seattle, Washington. It's a complete holistic liquid waste handling system that's de combined dewatering, drying, and side stream nutrient removal in a single system. And I want to share with you how it works. It's based on thermal evaporation, but a very efficient form of thermal evaporation that's far more efficient than conventional systems. And because it's based on this evaporation, we can get guaranteed removal of various components. You get guaranteed removal of suspended and dissolved solids. And because it goes through a distillation process, we distill out the various components separately, such as ammonia and water, and recover them separately. This allows us to put together where the product's going to end up in the system. When you're looking at a nutrient loading or a nutrient balance of your wastewater treatment plant, you can say, oh, the ammonia, I can recover it versus have to destroy it through nitrification and denitrification. The water, we can recover for beneficial reuse. And the potassium, the phosphorus, the organic nitrogen, the organic carbon can all be contained in the dry solids and removed from the plant in a final dry class A biosolid. And again, the VARCO will produce these three products a beautiful, crystal clear, clean water, suitable for reuse. A wonderful dry solid, that's a class A EQ, 90% dry, pathogen-free, wonderful, wonderful product. It's a non-hazardous alternative fuel if there's a desire for that as well. And then a solution of uh, ammoniacal nitrogen. This is a wonderful fertilizer product that based on its source is a low carbon product that displaces the production of fossil fuel derived nitrogen fertilizers. This is a very, very exciting product when we look at decarbonizing our supply chains. And again, a VARCO replaces in a wastewater treatment plant, dewatering, drying, side stream nutrient removal for phosphorus and nitrogen. And it accomplishes this with combining low energy, lower energy consumption and no polymers or flocculants in that process. Now I want to show you some example sites. This all seems like a wonderful fairy tale, if you will, but I want to show you concrete installations where this is built and running today. The first is an Omega Dairy in the Midwest, processing the waste from 4,000 cows. The system's been running since 2020. The next is a pilot system that we're able to take to site. It's available for additional pilot trials this year, and it initially processed waste from various rum distilleries, uh, but it's available for wastewater treatment plant pilots as well. We have a full-scale commercial biosolids processing facility operational every day in the Seattle region. The system already has an EPA 503 Class A biosolids permit and processes septage and biosolids every day. And under construction is a much larger system, five times as large as that system in the Midwest on dairy waste. We want you to be part of revolutionizing the wastewater industry. And we, want, we are ready for a full-scale commercial implementation at a wastewater treatment plant and could be running within 15 months of contract. Thank you so much. We are excited to work with you and continue this process. Go ahead and scan the QR code for a fun brochure on the VARCOR and, and to learn more about it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Stanley. If you want more details on VARCOR or on Cedron, then just let me know. We now come to a very quick appeal from the Netherlands government. Well, actually, it's not from the Netherlands government per se, but rather from Neil Dot, Executive Director at Aquafed, the Global Federation of Private Water Operators. 
Aquafed are carrying out a project to support the recruitment into the water sector of the very best young professionals. This initiative is one of a number that are being funded by the Netherlands government as part of their Valuing Water initiative. And this particular project will provide guidance to utility managers, in particular in low and medium income countries. Now, this scheme is going to help managers better understand how young people's career and life aspirations have changed and what new skills the next generation can bring to the sector. The first phase of this project is research, gathering key data, and this will continue until July. Aquafed will then produce a guidance document uh, which can be shared widely. So here's Neil with a particular call out for help. So hi everyone, yep, it's Neil here from Aquafed. Um, so I'm here to talk to you about a project we're doing with the Netherlands government, which is their Valuing, for, uh, Valuing Water Initiative Youth Journey. And what we've been charged with finding out is understanding the kind of careers and the career paths that young professional want in, wants in the sector. And the objective is to really ensure that we're recruiting and retaining the best talent particularly in lower and middle income countries. So what we want to do is try and produce some guidance for uh, utility managers and service managers, just to help them fully understand the kind of the skills that young professionals now bring, the ways they want to work and interact with the sector, because we're hearing from young professionals that they don't all want you know, a 25 year career in, in a utility, which is perhaps what was the way in the past and perhaps we, some of us have, have worked. So they want to interact with the sector in different ways, come in as a startup or coming to the private, as a private operator for two years and then going to the public, they, they have different ways. So, so what, we're, what we're hearing is that there's kind of less, perhaps organizational loyalty in the past, but equally to recruit and retain the best talent, we need to give these professionals some, some, some experiences uh, that they can really get their teeth into. So that's what we want to find out and ultimately produce guidance for, for utility managers to help them do that. The What we need really now is utility managers in, again, in lower and middle income countries, in Africa and Latin America particularly, to just be willing to talk to our consultants and, and answer some, some survey questions and basic stuff. It won't take too long. It won't take too much of your time, but we really need the insights from, from people like you to really make this project successful. So I hope you'll get in touch with us and we'll provide the contact details for you and you can spare us a bit of time. Thank you. So if you're a utility manager, feel encouraged by that appeal, click on the links here. All Neil's asking, as he said there, is you share your contact details. They've got a simple survey. They want to hear your views about career paths and progression for young people. I'm sure we're going to be re revisiting this topic a bit later in the year. Now, this brings us to our and finally story for today. And the topic, well, it is quite literally liquid gold. We are talking about phosphorus in its many forms. We use it as a fertilizer to enhance crop yields, but phosphate rock mining is horrifically unsustainable. Phosphate is a precious finite resource. And quite aside from that, mining it makes, well, a complete mess of the environment. However, we have to have it. For plants and animals, including humans, need phosphates. Phosphates give our DNA its structure and they help drive the crucial biochemical reactions that keep all living things living. That said, we clearly can't just keep digging phosphate out of the ground because one day it will run out. So what else can we do? Well, we get phosphates from our food. The human body requires about 600 milligrams per day, and we generally consume much more than that. The excess 
And here's the crux, leaves in our urine. Now, rather fascinatingly, the urine produced by each adult every day is enough to make a whole loaf of bread. Of course, I'm not saying that we wee in the bread, but rather that the urine from a single adult on a single day provides enough phosphorus to grow the amount of wheat that's needed for a loaf of bread. And that's, quite frankly, incredible. There are some glorious startups in the USA, Sweden, France, Kenya, South Africa, all diligently working on how to commercialise this sustainable resource. The list here is just a few of them. Now, according to research at Cornell University, the nutrients in urine can be recycled with very little loss of quality. Turning urine into fertiliser has many potential advantages, especially now when global supply chains are being particularly disrupted. It seems the answer to the pea shortage is closer to home than one might first think, and it's in our pea. And yes, I know that's a terrible pun, but we just couldn't resist. With that, we come to the end of this week's broadcast. I once again thank our contributors and sponsors. Next month we have a special broadcast focused specifically on the NEOM project in South Africa, so in Saudi Arabia. It will be held on the June the 22nd at the usual times. Hope to see you then. Keep asking questions, keep sharing, and keep safe.